0: You would take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter nine. Luke chapter nine. It's always good to see a baptism, amen. amen. Someone stand publicly declaring their love for the Lord. Uh, Luke chapter nine verses twenty-one through twenty-seven uh, was what I'll be reading, and then I'll pray, really focusing on verses twenty-three uh, through twenty-seven uh, this morning. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 21. And he, Jesus, strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. of God. Let's pray. Father, we rejoice this day that you are a good and gracious God. Father, we thank you for your holiness. We thank you for your mercy and your love. And in the name of Christ, Father, we come to you now uh, with with forgiveness of sins through your blood, Father, that we have access to the heavenly throne room. So, God, we pray that you would just uh, meet with us now. Father, many of us this past week have been burdened with uh, struggles, uh, burdened with sin, God. Uh, Father, we have not uh, denied ourselves. We have not taken up our cross daily. But God, we have lived for ourself and for the pleasures of this world. So God, we come now asking, pleading for forgiveness, Father. Uh, God, we come for forgiveness in Christ. Father, we thank you so much for for Robbie, and for his testimony. God, we thank you for the work you've done in his life. Father, we do pray for him and for his family uh, that you will continue to grow them. God, you continue to have your hand upon them. Father, teach them uh, your truth. Guide them, I pray. Uh, Father, we also just pray for our community. We pray for... um, other churches in the area. God, we pray for Pastor Jay Hardwick as he he gets up and preaches this morning. God, we pray you bless him. Father, we pray that you bless the preach word. As he announces the word of God, I pray that the Holy Spirit attends his preaching, that people would hear the message and be saved, God, and be strengthened by the Spirit of your grace. God, we want a revival to come upon our city. God, we want people to come and hear the good news of Christ. God, we... We pray for um, those who in positions of authority. Uh, specifically, we pray for uh, principals, assistant principals, and faculty of schools uh, here in the area. And God, we pray that you give them a heart of wisdom. God, we pray that they would see teaching uh, as a blessing, Father. God, we pray that they would um, understand that those who teach are going to be judged more strictly. So, God, we pray that as they teach, they submit to your word um, for your glory. God, we also ask that for our own hearts this morning. God, we want to hear a word from you. God, people come. We come gathered now, God, not just to hear someone talk, but we want to hear a word from God. God, we pray that you would just attend your word by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I am unworthy to proclaim your truth. God, I am a dirty vessel, God proclaiming how one can be made clean through the the righteous robes of Christ. So God, I pray that I may decrease. God, that I may decrease, that you may increase, that you would take glory, God, you would take glory this day for your people. God, magnify your holy and awesome name. And God, I pray as we are challenged from the Scriptures, God, I pray that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see what you are calling For those who follow our Lord. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Uh, I have young children in my home. And I love children. Uh, One of the blessings of having children is that you always have someone following you. (laughs) No matter where you're going, someone always tends to be following you. Now, uh, there are days when we love that. And there are days when we may be a little frustrated with that constant barrage of uh, expectation from our children. Uh, one of my favorite musical artists, Bruce Springsteen, the boss, uh, has a song uh, titled, Walk Like a Man. Uh, In the beginning, it quotes like this. He says, I remember how rough your hand felt on mine on my wedding day, and the tears cried on my shoulder. I couldn't turn away. Well, so much has happened to me that I don't understand. All I can think of is being five years old, following behind you at the beach, tracing your footprints in the sand trying to walk like a man. Uh, we know that our children follow in our steps because one day they want to become like us. Uh, we, we, we don't think that as teenagers, right? As teenagers, you don't want to be like your parents. But as a, as a young child, you grow and you want to be like your mom and your dad. Uh, well, today we have the privilege of learning what does it mean to follow in the footsteps of Christ. Because as a Christian, our goal and our, our charge should be to become more and more like Christ. So what must we do? We must follow in the footprints of our great Savior, the Lord Christ. Uh, so this morning, Jesus, through His, through his Word, uh, gives us a challenge, a call, in how to follow in His steps. If you want to follow along, you can look in the back of your bulletin for your outline. We're going to kind of walk through this text. The life... Of a follower of Christ is one of first earthly denial, earthly denial. Look back with me in verse twenty-three. And he said to all. Before we go there, just just remember that he was with his disciples, and Jesus made that, uh, or uh, Peter made that declaration, "You are the Christ." But then he said, "You you said to all." So now this is not just to the disciples. He's saying to all people, to everyone who wants to follow after me. He says, "If anyone." Would come after me or follow me. Let him deny himself. Uh, Beloved, as a Christian, your life is not your own. See, this earthly life that we live around says the world is about you. What do you want from this life? I have a dear friend who went to a counselor, and uh, the first question asked by this counselor was, What do you want? See, our world says this world, everything in it, revolves around you. Man is the center of life. It encourages us to live for self. But Jesus says you are called to deny yourselves. Are we, are we, aren't we supposed to be true to ourselves? Have you ever heard that? Just be true to yourself. Follow your own desires. Well, beloved, when you chose to follow Christ, what Jesus is saying is you have to deny yourself, and your desires. It says in 1 Corinthians six uh, twenty is that you are no longer your own, but you have been bought, you have been purchased through the blood of Christ. Uh, this is a hard, that's a hard teaching, isn't it? To realize that your desires and your passions are, are now second to the Lord's. Uh, now, you, those who know me know how I love football, and it's football season, and I can just say amen. There should be a louder amen, but it's okay. Right, So I love football. I remember when I was, um, I was in Washington, D.C., and it was the NFL playoffs, and I sat down, I had a big old sandwich, I had some, some soda, and I had some chips. I was ready to, to go to town and just enjoy a day of Sunday afternoon football. And then all of a sudden, I get a phone call from my friend James. Now, James was about 20 years older than I was. Uh, he had he struggled from epilepsy. Uh, he didn't have many friends. I was one of, one of few. Uh, and he needed help with his laundry. He hadn't done his laundry in a week. And at that moment, I had a choice. Hey, James, man, I really can't help you. I got to watch football? Didn't really seem right, did it, right? My desires was to do what I wanted to do at that very moment. So what I chose to do in obedience with the Lord's command in that moment was to deny what I wanted to do, and I drove across town picked up James, put all his, his dirty laundry in the back of my car, drove him to the laundromat, and helped him do his laundry. Beloved, that is the life of Christ, right? I don't always do that. I don't always deny myself. But in my best moments, I pray that I would always choose to serve God's people over serving myself. See, we, we, we battle daily with our desires, don't we? We have wants. We have things we want to do in this world. Beloved, can I just encourage you from God's word this morning to deny yourself. Your life, Christian, is no longer your own. It has been bought by Christ. The second thing we see here is that the the life of of a a follower of Christ is one of earthly suffering. Earthly suffering. Uh, Jesus goes on in the second half of verse 23. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Now, we've probably heard that as Christians our whole lives, right? Take up your cross. It's the cross that I have to bear. But I just want you to to take a step back and think about the the apostles. Think about the disciples, what they were were hearing at that moment. The, the, The cross was an instrument of torture. It was an instrument of of a brutal death by the state to punish criminals. And Jesus just said, you are the Christ, the Son of God? If you want to follow me, you must walk the road of a criminal. You must be rejected. I mean, imagine today if I said, take up your electric chair. Take up your lethal injection. Take up your gas chamber. That is not the way you fill a church, right? You know, Jesus was more concerned. He didn't care about who came, right, in the sense of the numbers. He wanted people, when you came, he wanted to know what you were getting into. And he said this, if you want to come after me, you must take up your cross. You must walk the road of rejection. But what does this mean? We hear that often. Take up your cross. Uh, Daryl Bach, scholar, says, Cross-bearing publicly displayed a person's submission to the state. The criminal rebelled against the state and so bore the penalty of punishment from it. Cross-bearing was a visible, public affair that visualized a person's humility before the state. Thus, the fundamental idea is of submitting to the authority of another. In in this case god when we follow jesus we are submitting to his authority not only do we deny ourselves but we submit ourselves to his life second timothy 3:12 says indeed all who desire to live a godly life in christ jesus will be persecuted we are called to suffer luke 14:27 whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple this is why as a pastor I tell you not to listen to certain people preach. Because it's baffling that there are certain pastors out there that tell you that life is not to be one of suffering. There are Christian pastors who say that. Beloved, that is opposite of the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says, take up your cross. I mean, we were talking just this past week with folks in this church, and we said, you know, the the message is so baffling. If, If you ever doubt that, that God doesn't call you to suffer, just take a look at the people in the Bible. Let's just do a quick survey. Paul, the Apostle Paul, martyred. The Apostle Peter, martyred. Apostle John, exiled. John the Baptist, martyred. Andrew, Matthew, James, martyred. Joseph, sold into slavery, wrongly accused, sent to prison. Job, lost his whole family, all his wealth and his health. The the calling of a Christian is not a life of happiness and bliss. Beloved, hear me. It's a life of suffering. We want to take up our cross, willingly identify our life with the Lord Jesus Christ, willing to follow in the Lord's footsteps, walk behind him in the sand and say, I'm willing to take the road of rejection because that's exactly the road my Lord took. Now let me just help clarify this okay? Because sometimes when we have a trial in our life, when bad things happen, we'll say, well, this is just my cross to bear. Now, that could be true, but just because you're, let's say you have cancer. Cancer is not only a cross to bear, because Christian or non-Christian can get cancer. As a Christian. The, 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 if you have cancer, what you're saying is I'm willing to use this cancer for the glory of God. I'm willing in the midst of this cancer not to grow in bitterness or grow cold to the Lord, but to use it as a testimony for his goodness and his, and, and my, and his trust for what he has done for me in Christ. We bear in the midst of our trials and our sufferings when we submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Not just because you go through bad things. Does that make sense? It's, a, it's an active decision for a Christian to take up the cross. Now, what did did Luke say? Take up the cross daily. Beloved, we are never beyond the cross of Christ. Hear me, beloved, we are never beyond the cross of Christ. We are called to rest in in, in the cross daily to pick it up. So every day you wake up, you have to pick up your cross and be willing to walk the road of Christ. Well, the third thing we see here that the Lord calls the life of one of His followers too, is earthly loss, Earthly lost." Read with me in verse 24: "For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? It's a pretty simple teaching. If you desire to control your life and to do everything on your own without God to save yourself, you actually will lose yourself because you are unwilling to submit to God's way. Really what he's trying to do, is he's saying the same thing. If you want to follow after Christ, you must take up your cross. You must lose yourself and identify with the cross of Christ. It's exactly what we saw with with Robbie today. You know, Robbie made a public decision, right? In front of all of you, I choose to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in his death and in his resurrection. I'm no longer my own, but I belong solely and completely to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the calling of all Christians. And then you see this in verse 25. And I think this is probably one of my favorite questions in all the Bible. Just listen to the the beauty of this. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself. People in this world who have everything one day are going to stand before God, the judge. You can have everything in this world, but if you don't have Christ, you have nothing. Because all the wealth, all the reputation, all the prestige in this world will all fade away. The only thing that's going to last is those who are in Christ. Ask yourself, what are you reaching after in this world? Do you want reputation and fame? Do you want to please man? Or do you want to be a servant of Christ? I can't, uh, every time I read this text, it's for me, I can't not think of, of Jim Elliot uh, some of you know the story of Jim Elliot. Jim Elliot was a young man. Uh, he was in college, and uh, he had this burning passion to declare the glory of God to the nations. Uh, so he, 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 he was committed and determined that he was going to go to a, a group of Indians in Ecuador to share the gospel. Now, these, these Indians were savages. They, they killed regularly. People wouldn't, weren't surviving. And they, they said, I need to go to take them the gospel. As a young man, this is what he wrote in his journal, August 8th, 1950. Surely those who know the great passionate heart of Jehovah God must deny their own loves to share in the statement of his. Consider the call from the throne above, Go ye, and from round about, come over and help us. And even the call from the damned souls below, Send Lazarus to my brothers, that they may come not to this place. Impelled then by these voices, I dare not say, Stay home." While these Indians perish. So, what if the well fed church in the homeland needs stirring? They have the scripture and Moses and the prophets and a whole lot more. Their condemnation is written on their bank books and in the dust of their Bibles. American believers had sold their lives to the service of mammon, and God has his rightful way of dealing with those who succumb to the spirit of Laodicea. It's a pretty stinging rebuke of the church of his day in the 1950s. But beloved, that probably same could be said for our own church. Are we willing to deny ourselves, to take up the the gospel, take up our cross, to share the good news of Christ with our world? Or are we trying to save our life and therefore losing it? Probably his most famous quote comes on October 28th in 1949 when he wrote famously in his journal, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Danny Akin, when he wrote on this verse, he said, Jim did give up that which he could not keep to gain that which he could not lose. But the question before us now is, will I? Will you? The fourth thing we see here of the life of Christ is earthly reproach. Earthly reproach. Verse 26 for whoever is ashamed of me and my words, and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed. When he comes in his glory in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Uh, the idea of shame here, whoever is ashamed of Jesus is really the one who has rejected him, the one who has chosen not to take up their cross, the one who has chosen not to deny themselves, the one who's chosen to try to save his life. It's really a sign of rejection. You know, a shame can be defined as a feeling of shame, guilt, or disgrace, or restrained by anticipation of shame. Uh, I think that the context here helps that people are unwilling sometimes to stand for Christ in the anticipation that they're going to be shame or have to bear reproach. This is why, as Christians, we are called to make a public profession of our faith. Now, many of you probably came down with an altar call, right? Someone called you down, come front, make it public. Well, biblically, what what, what we did right there, baptism, that's that's the public profession, right? Standing for a crowd of witnesses and saying, I choose to follow Jesus. Now, here, very clearly, it says, if you are ashamed of Jesus and his teachings, he will be ashamed of you. So if you reject Jesus, Jesus will reject you. Look back at verse 22. It says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. But look what happens in verse 26. The Son of Man will come in glory, the glory of the Father and the glory of the holy angels. This is the, the picture of the victorious Son of Man. We get from Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. I saw in the night visions. Behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And he was given dominion and glory and kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion, an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. His kingdom, one that shall not be Destroyed. So the promise that we have in this text is that one day God in his glory is going to return. He's going to come and judge this world in his glory, in his righteousness. So beloved, can I just give you a word of caution right now? I really want you to hear what I'm about to say. Now this this is, this is one of those things that I may sound harsh, but I, I really want you to hear the the, the strength of what Jesus Christ is saying. He says, Whoever is ashamed of me, of him with the Son of Man, be ashamed. Jesus says, the Bible says in second first Timothy two, four and five, that there was one mediator between God and man. That is the man Christ Jesus, who God sent to give his life as a ransom for all who would turn and trust in him. We only have one hope. See, our sin is very real. And the only hope you have is that your sin is paid for by another. We have one who came, who gave his life to stand in the gap before God. So when God looks at me, he says, he sees Christ He sees me wrapped with the righteous robes of Christ. I am covered with the blood of the Lamb. Not because I'm good, but because God was good on my behalf in Christ. But he doesn't just say, if you are rejected, me. Because I think that if you ask the average Christian, right, whether they go to church or not, anybody who professes to be a Christian, they say, I am not ashamed of Jesus. And if you ask them, they would say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But notice what it says here. It doesn't just say, if you are ashamed of me. Look back in your Bibles, in verse 26. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words. Beloved, we live in a hostile culture. And the day is coming when we only have to stand for Christ, but we also must stand for His teachings, what he says in his word. You know, we can hear an amen from the, from the choir about not being shamed, ashamed of Jesus. But if you extend that to his teachings, sometimes you hear crickets. In this hostile culture, we're going to have to stand against the tides of the world, of what God says about Marriage, what God says about science, drunkenness, abortion, cohabitation, you name it. The, the moral fabric of our culture of America is slipping. And more and more is, is, is saying it's okay if you go against God's word. Beloved, you cannot be ashamed of the teachings of our Lord. Now, can I just say this? I'm a pastor, so I love the church, right? I, I, I'm giving my life to the bride of Christ. And I, I am so excited and happy to do that. But can I just tell you that the church in America has fallen on hard times? I run into people all the time who say, I don't want to go to church. Usually it's because they were hurt or, or burned by someone in a church, right? They said, Well, I'm a Christian, but I don't want to be in, in church. Now, all churches aren't great, don't get me wrong. We have some problems, amen? Thank you for what, what are my problems, Dan? No, I'm, just, I'm just kidding, right? We, we, all, we all got issues, okay? We all got problems. But here's the deal. What does Jesus say about the church? What is his teaching about the call of Christians to one another? Now, if the whole Bible is written by the word, Right, the, through the Holy Spirit, the, it's the Word of God, the Word of Christ. I can take you text after text after text to show you the importance of the church. But let me just give you one from, the, from, from Jesus Christ. John uh, 13, 34, and 35 say this. A new command I give to you, that you are to love one another. Just as I have loved you, Jesus speaking, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. There are many people who you'll run into who say the church is not important. I don't don't need to be part of of a local body of believers, but can I just encourage you? If that's you, hear me, right? Just hear me. We can't love one another people who are not like us. We can't love one another outside of the fellowship of a local congregation. I have not seen one person who's told me that they've go, go, they don't go to church, but they just love one another in their own home. I have yet to see that person love people who are not like them. People who are different. People who, who make them feel uncomfortable. Because in our flesh, who do we gravitate towards? We gravitate towards people we like. Now, there's a lot of people in this room Naturally, in the flesh, are we going to like every single one of you here? The answer is no. <laughs> right? We, we don't naturally like each other. But we choose to love each other. Why? Because as Jesus has loved us, therefore we must love one another. And here's, here's just my, my heart. Right? It says in, in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, he's speaking to the elders of the the church there. He says, pay pay careful attention to the flock of God that he's given you. Pay careful attention to them because Christ bought them with his own blood. Now, if it says here, and this is talking about eternal rejection, Jesus says, if you are ashamed of me and my teachings, I will be ashamed of you. Now, I, I don't know your heart. I don't know your heart but if you're not willing to love like Christ loved, be willing to lay down your life for the people of God, how can you know? How can you know that in the last day when you stand before God the Father, He's going to say, you were ashamed of my people. You said you loved me, but you didn't love my people. You were ashamed of my bride. Therefore, I will be ashamed of you. Beloved, I don't want that to happen. I want you to come to Christ. I want you to serve His church. Because I want you to see the glory of the Lord. And I don't want you to fear, but I want you to say, it is well with my soul. Here, here, it's not a condemnation. We've all been in different places in our life, but if you run into people, or if that is you who's not part of a local body of believers, can I just encourage you with all the love in my heart to come back to fellowship with a body of Christ. It doesn't have to be here. Those of you who know me, I, I send people away all the time, right? What? No, no, I want you to be where God wants you to be, right? Where is God calling you to serve? Well, lastly, I know I'm over time. Let me just wrap this up. Uh, The last one is the life of a follower of Christ um, is one of eternal glory. The one of eternal glory. Verse 27, But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Uh, Now, I think that what, what Luke is probably referring to, he's probably referring to the transfiguration, which we're going to cover next week, Uh, that the the voice from heaven and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Uh, They would not taste death. So I think primarily it means the transfiguration. It was uh, fulfilled there. But I think it also means, speaking to the church, is that we will not taste death without seeing the glory of God. I I believe that. I, I believe that we see the glory of God day in and day out when we fellowship with each other. Because when I talk about suffering, when I talk about denial, when I talk about losing yourself, it seems that's, that's out there. Reproach is out there. But when we gather together as the people of God, there is joy. There is glory. There is happiness. There is peace. There is love in here. Why? Because we are a picture of the heavenly community. We are an outpost of heaven. We love each other in such a way to give us a foretaste that this, was going to, what, this is going to be what life is going to be for all eternity when we love and care for one another. But you have to ask yourself this. With all the denial and the suffering and the reproach and, uh, and the loss that we experience in this world, is it worth it? You ask yourself, is it worth it? Well, the apostles asked the same question. Listen to the conversation with Peter and Jesus. Peter began to say to Jesus, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel. Who will not receive a hundredfold. Now, in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last shall be first. God calls us to a life of suffering, beloved, but He also calls us to eternal glory. The sufferings that we experience in this world. Pale, pale in comparison to the glories that will be received. Because we have one, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came and tasted death, experienced death for all. And he looked at us and he says, I am not ashamed to call you brothers, sisters. The Lord was not ashamed of us. Let's not be ashamed of him. It's worth it. Let's pray. Uh, God, we we pray that we would exemplify what it means to follow Christ. Help us deny ourselves. Help us take up our cross daily. Uh, Help us suffer loss. Help us suffer reproach. And God, help us wait uh, for your glory to be revealed. Uh, We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.